Thank you so much. Thank all of you. Thank you, choir and our praise team and Kyle and Selena and Brother Terry and all of you who have taken part in worship this morning. Uh, thank you so much. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, I have verses 1 through 22, but Chris, I think I'll change that to verse 11 and following. This morning I want to share with you, is church important? We've been studying about being sanctified. We have the position of sanctified, uh, sanctification, where God has saved us, sanctified us. The word sanctified means to be set apart. We've been, we've been made holy. The word holy doesn't mean sinless, but it means set apart. So we've been saved, we've been sanctified, we've been made holy, we've been set apart to be used of God and to become more like Christ, to grow in, in the Word, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus and become more like Him. You'll never grow in your sanctification apart from the local church. God just has a purpose for a local body of believers. There's things, and you'll see that in a minute, that we can do together that we can't do by ourselves. So we're never uh, saved to be alone, but we're saved to be part of a community, and that community is the local congregation. We'll talk about that. So if you would, let's, uh, uh, I pray when you have an opportunity, you'll pick up reading chapter 1 of Ephesians and chapter 2 of Ephesians. But for the sake of time, we're going to pick up with verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Wherefore, now wherefore is because of chapter 1 and 2. Wherefore, remember that you, that ye beginning in time past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh. You kind of had an argument going on between the Judaizers, and they had this mark of the covenant of Moses, and the mark was the circumcision. You had the Gentiles who did not have that mark. And you always had this little disagreement between the Judaizers and the Gentiles. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens... From the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, the Gentiles, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There's nothing to fuss about. There's nothing to fight about. Uh, nothing to disagree about. We're all one. Having abolished, verse 15, in the flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both God in one, that he might reconcile both, Jew and Gentile, unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit 
unto the Father. Now therefore you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple to the Lord. Now what he's doing here, and we'll talk about that a little more as we get into the sermon. He's saying, listen, you are, he says, first of all, you are a, you are a, um, your family, your household of faith, you're, 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 you're a kingdom of priests, you're a household of faith, and you're a temple. So he's describing really what we become in Christ. In verse 20, 21, In whom all the build and fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, so whom you also are built together for, an inha- for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence, open your word, Give me the words to say, I pray, the right spirit to say them in. Father, allow your Holy Spirit to touch my heart, be my voice piece today. Uh, Father, I pray that you would be with each person here. For those who have never trusted Christ today, I pray today that they would turn from sin, put their faith and trust in you, trust only you for their salvation, believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, be born into the kingdom today. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you study the passage, chapter 2, 1 through 22, this, this passage is how God brings us, humans, together and creates unity when, there's an, when alienation is happening. So you had this alienation going on between the Judaizers and the Gentiles. And so, so Paul is saying, listen, we, all of that's been put aside. You know, we're, we're all one. So remember, in this early church, you had this clear division, and it comes up from time to time. In verse 11 and 12, you had the Jews who had this physical mark of the covenant in the Old Testament, and that was circumcision. You had the Gentile believers who did not have that mark, and and there was a division between the two. They were always in disagreement. You had the Judaizers. They said, you need the gospel, but at the same time, you also need the mark of the covenant in order to to be saved. And then you had the, the Gentiles. And the Gentiles says, no, we don't need that mark of the covenant. We believe with all of our heart it's by grace and faith alone that we're saved. And so you had this constant division toward each other between the Judaizers and the Gentiles. And Paul is saying Jesus had done away with all the things that would separate you and he's brought you together in one body. Is church important? Is church necessary? He's brought us together in one body. Verse 11, he says, Wherefore, therefore, remember chapters 1 and 2. Remember about the power of God demonstrated. Remember how the power of God saved you. Remember how the power of God changed you. Remember how the power of God brought you into a family, and that family is called the church. So we have family. Now, in the Bible, you're going to find church used in two separate ways. You have church listed with a big C, and that represents a capital C. That's universal church. Now, when you speak of the universal church, that's church at large. Everyone that's been saved by faith in Jesus Christ is a part of the Lord's church, capital C church. We're, all, we're spread out all over the world. 
God's people are. That's the church, those who place faith, trust in Jesus Christ, been saved by the gospel. only way to be saved is by the good news of Jesus Christ. However, over and over in the Bible, you're going to find where Jesus expects those who are part of the capital C church also expected to be a part of the little C church, which is the local church. And so you have the universal church, we're all apart, but he expects us to be a part of the little c church, the local church. Now there's some things that the Bible asks us to do, instructs us to do, that, that cannot be accomplished apart from the local church. The Bible instructs you to do certain things, me to do certain things, we can't do them by ourselves. We have to be, have to be a part of the local church to do those. However, there are a number of people today who believe that you can have this you can have this thriving Christian life and not have to be a part of a local church and not go to church. Some believe that. So, is that true? Can you have a faithful spirit-filled productive Christian life and not be actively involved in a local gospel-preaching church? Can you grow in your sanctification, become more like Christ, and not go to church? I guess it's cutting to the bone. Is church necessary? Well, does church matter? I mean, does it, does it matter? What are we doing here? Paul says, everything that you've experienced, the power of God that saved you, changed you, made you a new creation. And because of all of that, you've been born into this family of faith known as the church. The church. Now, if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Turn back a chapter and look at verse 7 through 10. Verse 7 says, Paul says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Verse 8, Wherein He hath abounded toward us, toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He has purposed in Himself, that... In the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even unto him. We'll talk about dispensations in other sermons. Different periods of time, bringing, up, bringing us up to the church age we're in now. We're in the dispensation of grace. And that'll end one day. Drop down to verse 13. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of, unto the praise of glory. You say, well, what does all that mean, brother Sam? Well, it means that you heard... The gospel, you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, opened up your ears to hear, gave you the understanding, then implanted faith in you to trust Jesus Christ as the only true method or means, 
person of salvation. And the Holy Spirit dwells within you, became the down payment of that inheritance. But there's another role of the Holy Spirit. Not only is He, not only is he uh, living within us and is the down payment of our inheritance, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to include a, a couple of other verses that's not on your outline. Look at uh, chapter 12, verse 12, 1 Corinthians. Notice what it says about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does. For as the body is one and hath many members, speak, Paul speaking of the church, and all members of one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now listen to this, verse 13. For by one Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, are we all, you need to underline all, by that one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is one member, not one member, but many. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit dwells within us. The Holy Spirit's the down payment of our inheritance. But also the Holy Spirit baptizes us, not into a denomination, but the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now, you need to get this. Baptizes us into one body. Now, notice, no water's involved in this. The Holy Spirit baptizes us, places us in, think of it as a bucket of water. He places us into the body of Christ, baptizes us, submerges us into the body of Christ. So we're all baptized by the Spirit, not just, the, not just those that are the elite not just those that seem to be more righteous, not just those that speak in the tongues or feel they've been given the gift of tongues. That's not what it says. Every believer is baptized, placed into the body of Christ. Now, that, that's the baptism that counts for eternity. You get that? That is the baptism that counts for eternity. Unless that happens to you, unless you're baptized by the Holy Spirit of God into the body of Christ, you're lost because that's God's mark of ownership in your life, in my life, and you've been placed into the body of Christ. Now, does that mean that water baptism is not important? No, that, that's, your, that's my, that's your public profession, that you've believed the gospel, you've died. It's symbolic that, you've, that something's happened within you, that you that you believe with all your heart that Christ came and he died, he, was, he, he shed his blood on the cross, he was buried, and he arose again the third day. One day, I mean, you, you died to sin, sin no longer controls you, you've been raised you in Christ Jesus. One day you're going to die physically, you're going to be buried, and Christ is coming back. You, that, that baptism is symbolic of what you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about yourself. But what puts you into heaven is being baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. He's coming back for the body. He's coming back for the church. Okay? That's the one that counts. 
The other's important. So how do you get placed in the body of Christ, the church? You believe Paul's gospel. You know, I believe uh, uh, Jimmy mentioned this morning that they studied about Peter. And Peter's ministry was to the Jew. Paul's gospel is to whom? The Gentiles. He carried the gospel to the Gentiles. He's, he's our preacher. He speak, he's preaching to us. So you, you believe the gospel of salvation that Christ died, shed his blood, buried, and was raised from the dead. Then you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of your redemption, baptized in the Spirit, the church, into the church. You've been born into the family of God. Now, now it's, it's uh, family of God. I mean, uh, we're different. I mean, there's different people, there's different walks of, there's, there's, there's different backgrounds, different races, different cultures, but we're all brought together by salvation in Jesus Christ. And so the change that happens in us puts us into this new body called the church. Now, people have uh, become really interested in the church recently. But the problem is they, they become, they're interested in the church, but they don't want to go to church to find out about the church. Okay, I like to Google stuff. and they, We're all into this stuff. They, they don't feel like the church is important. So the point is, there are a number of people interested in, in things of God, but they don't want to figure those things out in church. They want to learn about those things, but they don't want to go to church. One study I heard of recently, 80% of Americans say that you can be a strong Christian and not go to church. Does a passage I just read teach that you have to be uh, part of the church, uh, you have to belong to a church to be saved? It doesn't teach that. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the gospel. That's what the word gospel means, good news. That's the good news. That Christ came and died on the cross, shed his blood, became your substitute, my substitute, was buried, rose again, became victorious over, over death, sin, and the grave. So the point is, you, you know, you have to, in, you have to in, be involved in or be a part of a community of faith in order to experience everything described for believers in the body. If you want to be a part of everything that believers are supposed to be a part of in the Bible, then you, you need to be a part of a local church. There are certain things that we are to do as Christians that cannot be done apart from the church. How about the Lord's Supper? That's not a, a I-do-it-myself thing. You do that with a body of believers when the church comes together. So the church really is not optional. Think about when the disciples ask the Lord, See, you're talking about community of believers. Think when he asked the Lord in Matthew 6, when they asked the Lord, Lord, teach us how to pray. What did he say? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our, our, not my Father. We pray like this. He's talking our Father which is in heaven. Our Father, not my Father, but our Father which is in heaven. So over and over you have this community expressed in the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, Holy Trinity, but community working together. 
So does it matter? Does church matter? I mean, whatever you've experienced at church, I've had some negative things that happened in church. You know, people tell me about hypocrites in church, and Jesus had to deal with them, and so I'm not real worried about that. And disappointments of a church and, and had a bad experience, or maybe something one caused hurt, or maybe a, a pastor, you're upset a pastor, or a deacon, or a Sunday school teacher. All that can be true. I mean, that can happen in church. But let me, let, me, let me ask you not to give up on church. Very important. The church is not perfect. You know why? Because it's made up of imperfect people. That's why it's not perfect. So church matters. So how much does it matter? Real quick, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Verse 19 says it matters. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints of the household of God. So we're not strangers and foreigners. We've been born again. We've been brought into this family of God. And he gives three pictures of that. He pictures fellow citizens, part of a kingdom with a kingdom, with a king. He pictures a household of faith, living in a family. He pictures a temple. And those are kind of stacked up on top of each other. So first of all, he mentions fellow citizens. You've been brought into a new, a new kingdom. You have a king. This world's not my home. I'm not, this is not my home. I'm looking forward to this place called heaven, and I'll be there one day. I'm just passing through here. You are too. Is heaven your home? So when you become a Christian, you're, you're, you're a Christian first. I mean, above all, I'm a Christian. I'm not a, I'm a Christian first, I'm not an American first, I'm very patriotic, I'm not a Republican first, I'm not a Democrat first, I'm not, my, I'm not, uh, I'm not Caucasian first, I'm not, my, my economic class is not first, my social class is not first, I'm a Christian first. I'm Christian first, everything else, my friend, in your life is really secondary. All the things that would divide us. In a body of believers, it's not worth a flip. All that is secondary. God saved us, put off all the things that would cause division. He put those away, brought us together into a kingdom. So we're, we're citizens of a kingdom, citizens of heaven. We come together, we worship together. That's community. So there's a, there's a level of involvement in church. So citizens of a kingdom, notice we're citizens of a kingdom, but also part of a household, verse 19, household of God. This is a picture of an of a intimate relationship. You have a household, I have a household. This is a picture of, of intimate relationships. We're, we're, living, we're, living in a, we're living in a house together. Think of that, that's, that's Brother Mike, and that's, that's Sister Gina, and Sister Andrew, and Sister Rachel, and Brother Tom, it's, it's household. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, citizens of a kingdom, living in a household, coming together. That's what it all pictures. Families stick together. Uh, your problems are my problems. Your issues are my, prob uh, my issues. My issues are yours. The Bible says, when, I sorrow, when you sorrow, I'm to sorrow. When you're happy, I'm to be happy. Why is that? We're in a one big family. We're in a family of faith, a household. 
We're part of the same family. But notice three, he says God's building, putting us together as a temple of God. Now, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, but not only am I a family, I'm part of the temple. There's a picture, a temple here mentioned is, is a picture of blocks being cemented together. This is important. You, you have a citizen with a king among them. You have a house with a, fam, with a father, Jesus, God, and his family. And then you have a temple. And the Spirit of God indwells this temple just like blood flows through all parts of our bodies, through our veins. The Spirit is in the temple, in the church. It's everywhere in the body of believers. So here's three images. Each one more intense than the one before. You have citizens, you have a house, you have a temple. The point is, how can you reconcile the fact with these three images and the importance of these three images and be sporadic in your involvement in the church? If you're a citizen of the kingdom, if you're a part of the family of God, if you're a part of the temple, see many together, how in the world can you reconcile just sporadic involvement in the family of God? How can you claim to be a citizen of the kingdom if you're not involved in the kingdom? I mean, how can you truly be a part of the family? If, if you're not invi- involved in the lives of other family members? How can you be cemented uh, to the temple if you're never here? The point is, we can't be obedient to some of the passages in the Bible if we're not actively involved in the life of the church. You just can't do it. So how do I know if I'm involved? You know you're involved when your decisions affect the family. Did you know your decisions affect this family? If you're actively involved in the church, as, as we as a church family, we need to be concerned when you're not here. I'm sorry. Don't get upset when we say, well, we missed you. Were you okay? Don't, don't get upset at that. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're, we're supposed to be involved in each other's lives, in the decisions that we make. If you're sick, we want to know about it. If you're on vacation, that's great. We just like to know about it. And you say, that's none of your business. Oh, yeah, it is. That's what we're talking about. We're family. If I left and went uptown and came back and Judy said, where'd you go? I said, that's none of your business. Oh, really? Yeah. I would never be able to go anywhere anymore. That is our business. And so, I'm not, you know, we're going to miss from time to time. I'm not saying don't miss the point. But what I'm saying is your absence should be felt when you're not in church. The point is, you're not properly involved in the life of the church if you think that you can be absent and everything just go on like you're not here. Think of that. I mean, when you're absent, there's a block that's not in the building. When you're absent, there's a member of the household that's not present. When you're absent, there's a member of the body that's that's discouraged. and, And the member of the body is disengaged from the rest of the body. We're going to be sick. We're going to be sick. We're going to go on vacation. 
that's okay. The point is, don't, uh, the point is, do people feel it? Do they feel it? F-E-E-L, do they feel it when I'm not there? I miss you guys. I can tell you, you basically set the same place. I, I miss you when you're not here. I do, and we're supposed to. And also, the way you live your life outside these walls, that affects the testimony of the church. Because, you know, uh, you know that, that you're living a life of church involvement is right before you commit some type of act, you think, well, I really shouldn't do this. Uh, they'll hear about it down at the church. Or I might not be, at, should be at this place, or it might affect the church. Or I might not, should be acting this way because... It might affect the church. You know you're involved in your church when all of a sudden you begin to think before you act, before you speak, and before you put yourself in different places. How, what you do affects your church. I need to be there Sunday because people are counting on me. I mean, I have a lesson to teach, and I have to work in the nursery Sunday, and it's my, it's my Sunday to be a part of the, the sound or the video or the usher or the greeter. And if I'm not there, they're going to have to hunt and find somebody else to fill my position. That's involvement in the church. Involvement in the church. It's easy to stay at home, but... Uh, But you, you, you should have this feeling, I've got to be there, because they're counting on me. They're counting on me. So what makes it all possible? Look, if you will, at verse 12, and I'm finished. Verse 12. Verse 12, go back to verse 12. <clears throat> that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from, stranger, from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, no hope without God in the world. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you sometimes were afar off or made nigh by the blood, uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I'm telling you, the cross is what makes a difference. Just remember that. The cross makes the difference. Uh, the unity of the church on your notes is maintained by the cross. I don't care what we go through here, what little petty thing we might have to come up. I'll tell you what should settle all of our differences. When we begin to squibble and squabble and fuss, we have taken our eyes off the cross. As long as you keep your eyes on the cross, we can get along with each other. The old saying we wore a bracelet, what would Jesus do? Well, that's what we need to think of. It's the cross that brings the peace and brings the unity. So the church is universal. Church is local. Does the church matter? Yeah, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Then God intends for us to be a part of a community of faith. You're, you're more than strangers and foreigners. You're, you're a part of citizens of the kingdom, part of the family of God, part of the temple of God. If they can't be like they should be if we're not part of the body. You're citizens of the kingdom, but more, you're the household of the family of God, embracing the other members, part of the temple. But I guess there's, if you're not here, do we feel it? We should. We want to feel it. 
We want everyone to be a part, be involved in the work, to be able to be obedient to the Scripture. And I send out an announcement, we're going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper Sunday. You know, that just, I look forward to that so much. I wish everybody did. Doing the things that he's called us to do together. Is the church necessary? Yes. But here's the big question. Is it necessary to you? Is it important to you? You know, I can just share so much about the importance of the church and encourage you. But it's your move. It's your move now and what you're going to do with the church. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence, to study your word. Lord, to see the importance of the church, universal church, but that local body of believers. I pray for every person here. As your spirit moves today, I pray that people make decisions. I pray, Lord, that those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life today, that they would come and, and Father, seeking, Lord, some brother Sammy, I want to know how to be saved. And, Lord, where they can be baptized by the Holy Spirit of God into this body of believers known as the church. Lord, I pray for Christians that are here. Help this, let this be a time that we'll recommit ourselves as we see how important the local body of believers are, the church, the local church. Help us to realize you've gifted us and we need to be a part. There's things we can't do apart from the church. Help us to be a part. Help us, Lord, to be missed when we're not here because we're so involved in the church. Others, Father, who need to make different decisions, I pray they'll come today in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to lead us in a hymn of him.